Welcome to Fully Covered, sponsored by Grant Thornton, leading providers in audit, tax and advisory services. I'm delighted that my guest today is Suzanne Feeney. Suzanne is an accomplished business leader with 19 years experience in the recruitment industry in Ireland. She joined Robert Walters in 2007 and is currently country manager in Ireland. She leads a team of experienced recruitment consultants across a number of specialist verticals, including banking and insurance, accounting and finance, HR, legal, governance, compliance, risk and technology. Suzanne has really helped me during certain points in my career, so it's great to have her here today to talk about the current recruitment landscape for the insurance sector. Welcome, Suzanne. Can you tell me a little bit about Robert Walters in Ireland? Thanks, Emma, and thanks for having me here today. Um, So Robert Walters, we're a global specialist professional recruitment consultancy and we have a presence in 31 different countries and over 4,300 employees. We've been in Ireland uh, since 1999, um, operating out of Dublin. And um, we specialise in recruiting temporary contract and permanent um, positions across a range of verticals, um, including accounting, finance, banking, insurance, uh, compliance, risk, HR and legal. Suzanne, can you tell me a little bit about the insurance recruitment market in Ireland? Absolutely. Um, so the market remains um, very competitive and busy, certainly from a recruitment um, perspective. Um, we we're certainly seeing both locally in Ireland and globally um, that there is a, a a talent shortage for special skill sets and the insurance sector is no different um, in that regard. Um, We see um, very definite um, shortages for talent across key areas such as actuarial, um, finance, um, regulatory. um, You know, we still see huge demand around solvency too, um, expertise for finance and risk professionals. And uh, certainly in the last um, 18 months, it's remained very, very strong in terms of hiring uh, across uh, operations roles for for cross-border businesses. So those requiring uh, language skills, particularly European languages. And I presume reskilling is critical considering that shortage that's there at the moment. Are insurance companies doing enough at the moment to reskill the talent that they have? I believe this is a challenge for for many companies and and organisations and um, the World Economic Forum has uh, predicted that over 50% of employees globally, um, not just specifically insurance, but but generally, um, will have a need to reskill by 2025 if they're actually um, going to adopt and and um, have the skills that are required um, for companies to deliver on their goals. So the the topic and and area of reskilling, I think, uh, also pertains to the insurance industry. Um, It is an industry industry that's going through a lot of change in certain sectors at the moment from a digital and transformation perspective. And also from um, a user perspective in terms of cloud capability and AI, um, there are challenges there for many um, businesses and employees are having to reskill to adopt to how business is done in the current envi- environment and for future needs. Mm-hmm. So I suppose many insurers' business strategies are focused on modernisation and digitalization, as you said, but the industry does face significant hurdles in sourcing that necessary talent. Do you think that boards are giving sufficient focus to talent strategies? I think for many boards, it is a key topic, an area of discussion and and development, but there's always room for more improvement. And from a a talent perspective, it's not just about 
attraction. It's also about retention. So there are key areas um, that can be developed further by a lot of companies, whether that's, you know, scale up training, reskilling, providing that in-house and actually investing in the talent that's there. Um, But equally, you know, there's such a focus, um, thankfully, around the whole area of ED&I. that, that there is an opportunity here, I think, for boards to really um, move forward and bring strategies kind of to the fore that actually will create broader, more diverse opportunities for more diverse pools, but ultimately will create a situation for them to have the best talent um, and retain the best people going forward. There has been a significant shift, Suzanne, in the working environment as a result of covid what impact has that had on the recruitment market? Absolutely. It's uh, it's been really, really, uh, it's been really interesting um, over the last um, number of years. I think in 2020, 2021, uh, a common reason for leaving for many candidates was that perhaps moving job was the only thing they had any control over changing um, because of how, how things were from a restrictions perspective. Uh, Last year, then, we saw the impact of that bounce recovery economy um, where the opportunities were so strong that, you know, the risk seemed very limited um, for for professionals to move. And, um, you know, the the talent shortage meant that there was huge um, salary inflation, um, you know, and and bargaining and and counter offering um, going on. Um, What we're really seeing now is the impact of how working ways have changed over the last number of years. Um, Flexibility is so important. While salary still remains important in terms of the the rationale and reasons for for moving, um, flexibility is really, really key. I think um, the last number of years created an opportunity for organisations to experience remote working and flexibility, which realistically, they would not have done this before um, because they were just more traditional working models. And now we find from research that we've conducted that over half of Irish employees have an expectation that they will only need to be in an office one to three days um, per week. And the technology sector, it's even less than that. Um, The sense is that um, technology tech professionals, they, they can work remotely and in most instance, instances, their preference is maybe just to, to show up for a town hall once a month. Um, so th- the ways of working have changed um, so much. And, um, you know, with that um, comes a, a transition period because um, during COVID, this was a temporary measure for most organisations. Now it's become a way of working and companies are trying to adapt to that because candidate expectations are that it will be on the table. And from an insurance company perspective here, from your discussions with them, how have they transitioned to that? It's been quite mixed, to be fair. I think um, a lot of companies, you know, understand the need um, for this and they see the benefits of it from an employee engagement um, perspective. But there are still um, organisations that, from a management perspective, struggle with the presenteeism piece that the 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 sense might be um, that you know you need to be able to see people um, to actually know um, that that what what you know they're doing what needs to be done from a productivity perspective, um, and also we found from a lot of research that we conducted over the last two years is that actually um, 
managers and management in a lot of the companies need support and need help in actually supporting their teams where there is flexible or hybrid working uh, arrangements because a lot of um, employees feel quite can feel disconnected. So even though they want hybrid and flexible working, um, maybe they're struggling a little bit that the communication piece is less than it was maybe last year or the year before. Um, so so companies in the insurance sector, there are certainly companies that um, are still uh, finding their way with this. So Suzanne, the hybrid model for insurers in Ireland, it varies between insurer, but uh, typically it might be two, two or three days at home. Can you see that changing in the short to medium term? Possibly. Uh, some companies are now looking to see what is the best uh, arrangement from, you know, a team perspective, from a business perspective. I, I, I think there is a focus on, you know, mental health um, benefits as well of people coming together, that social interaction. Um, but, you know, we we do have companies that we work with where um, it's it's maybe, you know, still spaced out to one week a month that people come together and you know that allows maybe for people to you know work remotely or travel or you know have different commitments they can meet so um it's it's an ongoing conversation a lot of companies are looking to bring people back to the office bring people back together again we're seeing that in insurance we're seeing it in financial services um, and we're also seeing it with some of the bigger tech companies where the expectation was they would never work in office spaces again um, I think there's a variety of, of reasons behind this I think there's a variety of um, push factors with it uh, you know obviously people have committed to commercial real estate and office space that, that that's sitting there and they, they want to, um, you know, utilise that and, and use the opportunity to, to bring people together. I think what is really, really critical is the expectation from employees now is that there's flexibility. There has to be a purpose to why they're coming into an office. Um, at the end of the day, I, I don't think we have spoken to any candidate in the last two years who wants to go back to the commuter lifestyle um you know, or the hours that, that they, they, they did before because they were coming to an office five days a week. They just, they, they, they don't. Um, so I think uh, organisations where they are, um, you know, maybe looking for that extra day in the office really need to think about not just the benefit to them, but also the benefit to the employee. What is the purpose of it? Um, and is there some tangible value that everybody can take from that? You mentioned uh, diversity earlier and research does suggest that more diverse companies do perform better. So insurance is definitely one of those sectors that is catching up when it comes to diversity. Progress is happening, but it's it's slow. What trends are you seeing in this space for insurance? So firstly, I think um, the results of the um, gender pay reporting kind of from from last year were quite interesting because um, the research or sorry, the reporting showed that, um, you know, many Irish insurance companies um, reported pay gaps in the region of 18 to 48 percent in favour um, of, of men uh, with differences in bonus uh, packages um, being even more um, dramatic, let's say. Um, so, you know, a lot of companies this will be a core focus for them in, in insurance, I think, this year, just really kind of looking at this and assessing it and seeing where can they 
actually bring things to a level of um, equity and, and parity um, from a gender perspective. Uh, that's the, the pay element and the pay piece, which, um, you know, it's moving in the right direction. But I think speed is, is really important with this. Um, the other things that are really, really important and, you know, we would suggest companies take on board and, and look at what they're doing on this front is, you know, who are the role models um, in the organisation? Like, are there, from a gender diversity point of view, are there female role models in the business? Are they visible? Are they accessible? What type of mentoring programmes are in place? What are companies actually doing and investing in that is creating an environment that says they are truly committed um, to this? And it's really important for for companies to show their efforts in this, um, you know, be really clear about um, policies. Make sure that you have inclusive policies. Make sure they're visible and accessible. Um, what events or employee resource groups, you know, have have you committed to? Um, and, and actually, what does your company website or what does your career page look like? Um, because actually, that's the first port of call for most individuals if they're thinking about um, applying for a role at a company. What does that actually say about the diversity inclusive, um, you know, position of of the company and um, the other things that uh, do make a a difference and again this is more from a gender diversity perspective um, is around how you advertise or write your job descriptions so you know we've uh, we've developed an in-house tool in Robert Walters um, it's called Adify and it reviews adverts and job descriptions to look at actually the language that's used. And, you know, it's proven by research that words like persistent, headstrong, fearless, uh, you know, self-sufficient um, actually deter female candidates from going forward in some cases. So, again, there, there, there are so many um, efforts that can be made and elements that do actually make a difference um, to show how committed an organisation is to this. In your view, though, why do women not fill more senior positions? I think some of the more traditional practices or working arrangements in organisations have been problematic for uh, females to actually, from a career progression um, point of view. So um, thankfully, we're seeing huge developments and huge changes in relation to the paternity leave. And I'm going to talk about the paternity leave as opposed to the maternity leave um, benefits that companies are offering so that, you know, there's really that sense of um, both um, people actually being able to to take time out um, at, you know, really important times for for families. Um, So I think a lot of the policies and benefits that have been in place with companies have made it really difficult when um, women have um, taken a step out um, from, um, you know, a childcare perspective um, to actually step back in, um, you know, because perhaps there haven't been the opportunities to work flexibly or part time or job share. Um, And, you know, that's just not unique uh, to the insurance sector. I think just generally in in Ireland, um, it it just it it hasn't been something that that companies embraced. But it's something that we're hearing so much more discussion about. Um, We're seeing a lot of benefits and policy reviews going on around this. Um, But it has certainly impacted organisations in relation to the pool of senior um, female um, candidates or experienced female candidates that they have, um, you know, to step into key 
um, you know, management or leadership um, positions. Not in all cases, but it, it has had it, it has had an impact. Um, the other point I would say as well is that um, it, it has been proven by research as well that uh, female candidates um, are also less likely to put themselves forward for something unless they think they can meet all of the criteria. Um, so I think there is a, a, a confidence kind of issue there. So from an, a mentoring perspective, uh, I think organisations can really help um, their female candidates and their female pool of, of talent um, to develop more confidence and actually see where their transferable skills are and if there are development points how they're, you know, really capable of, of closing the gap on that. From my own experience in the insurance sector is a fantastic career. You can move into so many different areas, risk, compliance, underwriting, actuarial, etc, etc. And there's a fantastic pool of companies and people in the in the industry in Ireland. But we do seem to find it difficult to attract young people into the market. What can we do to try and improve that? So there, there are a number of areas or, or two areas in particular that um, we suggest um, companies look at and that's around their company culture and values. We are seeing an increasing emphasis by younger professionals um, on this. They really want to understand um, how the company culture of the organisation they're looking at or they potentially will work with, how that aligns in terms of their social values. Um, so it's really important that companies have a clear and inclusive company culture that is evident um, to people. Um, you know, again, going back to that career site piece, making sure that it's really, really clear. Um, the other thing that's really important is making it really clear how people can carve out their careers. Um, younger professionals, they want to understand what the career opportunities are. They want to understand timelines, which I appreciate, you know, can be harder to, you know, demonstrate or commit to. Um, but they do want to understand what that means for them. How can they progress from a career perspective? Um, you know, so again, you know, looking at you know, how you're communicating perhaps maybe how they'll get access to working with different departments, how they potentially work on different projects, really showing the variety of um, work and exposure, stakeholder um, piece that younger professionals can actually see how this actually impacts them from a career perspective. Um, the other um, piece that's also really important is, is the, the ESG um, side as well. Uh, younger professionals want to understand, you know, what difference uh, from a social purpose and impact perspective an organisation is making. And um, again, going back to that part about the, the social values and how the culture aligns to what they're looking for, you cannot underestimate actually how important this is to um, how somebody will make a decision and, and who they're going to work with. Very good. It's great to see young people interested in the ESG element. That's fantastic to see. Just in terms of the actual interview process, uh, has that changed significantly over the, the past number of years, particularly in light of COVID? It, it, it has because the virtual piece has really allowed companies and candidates to engage in interview processes far more quickly. Um, so, you know, we, we saw during COVID because everybody was remote that the entire process from start to finish moved to a you know a virtual um, a process 
And for many organisations, they've really seen the benefit of that from a time perspective in, in relation to being able to get to see a candidate and meet a candidate um, quite quickly. Um, what's really come back, I suppose, in the past 12 months is that emphasis on in-person. Um, and we're really seeing that that that's certainly um you know, towards the, the, the latter stages of the process, I would say um, now it's more commonplace that there is an in-person meeting, that there is an opportunity, um, you know, to meet um, in a, I suppose, less formal um, setting as opposed to more formal. So actually the in-person piece, you know, people might expect that with virtual interviews that the, the in-person will be very formal. It's actually not. We're, we're finding that it is a little bit more um an opportunity just for people to actually meet, you know, connect, see it kind of is there alignment there in terms of, you know, values of the company and the culture and so on. Um, but we are seeing companies now really, really, um, you know, holding firm that they want to have those in-person um, meetings um, before hiring. Suzanne, what would be your top three tips for insurance companies out there looking to hire candidates? I think being really clear on what your employee value proposition is, I think that's really, really important. Um, This is something that is going to have even more weight and importance and value, um, I think, in the year ahead. We've certainly seen, um, you know, a a change and a movement in relation to what um, professionals see as most important um, in terms of their job search. So um, that's really, really important, making sure it's very clear it's, it's well positioned. It's easy for somebody to understand what it means to be part of that organisation. Uh, the other thing I would suggest is having an open mind towards perhaps um, the, 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 the skills that you're you're looking for and what you're looking to hire. You know, where do you see this position being in two years time? Um, because we are seeing companies embrace different ways of working, whether that's um, Uh, job share type initiatives that actually allow them to bring more experienced professionals kind of into the workplace for just a few days a week. And I would absolutely encourage organisations to look at this with a very open mind um, because it will give them access to broader pools of talent with skills and experience they need um, in a market that is really talent short. You know, we're at, I think we're currently running at an unemployment level of 4.4%. It's incredibly tight. Um, so that's something else we would encourage. And then from uh, a DE&I perspective, um, you know, really take a step back and, and look, what, what are your policies and procedures? What are you looking to achieve? And is that clearly communicated? Um because that that does have an impact kind of on um, who you're going to attract to your business, but equally um, who you're going to retain kind of in the year and, and years ahead. Um, I will add a fourth point, though, because it's the first question we get asked by every single individual we speak to who's potentially considering a job move. Um, I think getting clarity about what your hybrid model or flexible working looks like is critical. Um, there, every individual we speak to, that's the first question they ask us. And just to flip that around to the other side of the table, what are the top three tips for your candidates? So first and foremost, I would say if you're at interview stage, 
please take time to look at the organisation and be very clear on why the company is of interest to you. Um, the, the most common feedback we've heard over the past 12 to 18 months from employing, uh, or employers um, who are actively hiring is that they just can't understand that people are coming to interview and actually don't seem to know anything um, in terms of the company's, um, you know, financial reports or, you know, their their achievements. So I think um, that's important to actually clearly understand about the actual company and the company's kind of successes and what their business is and what the scale of that business is. Um, the other thing that we would um, suggest is from a job seeker perspective is, you know, really think about what you want to achieve over the, the next two, three years. I think you know, years years ago, there people didn't move jobs kind of very often. You know, people were often in jobs 10, 15 years. Um, it's, it's not uncommon now for people to look to move every 18 to 24 months. We, we see that. Um, so, you know, what does the individual actually want to achieve for themselves so that they actually have well-prepared questions for when they have that meeting? Um, and then the, the final piece is, is actually... Um, be clear as well on, you know, what what you're bringing kind of to the company, um, because um, organisations are working hard at the moment to try and get things right, you know, for, for their people. Well, most organisations are, you know, in relation to their policies and their well-being provisions. And, the, you know, there's a lot, certainly a lot of the HR professionals we speak to in insurance. It's a big focus for them, um, really preparing for the, 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 the short and medium term for their employees. Um, so I would suggest for, for job seekers as well, take a step back um, and be really clear on, on, on what it is you're bringing kind of to the organisation. And just lastly, Suzanne, what is your outlook for the remainder of 2023 and moving forward? Yes, it's well, the ERSI at the end of March published um, a report um, predicting a further domestic economic growth in Ireland and they expect that to continue into 2024. Uh, so while I think from an international perspective, there's still um, uncertainty and I think from a financial services perspective, just with what has happened in the banking sector globally um, in, in recent weeks has definitely caused some kind of headwinds and, and shockwaves. Um, the economic outlook still looks really strong for Ireland. So, um, you know, we certainly from a, a job flow and a vacancy perspective, um, we, we still see extremely high levels uh, of hiring. Um, so the expectation is that, um, you know, that will continue on. Um, the, the Overall, though, companies are being more considered and measured um, from a recruitment perspective in relation to what they, the hiring that they're making and, you know, what salaries and packages they're going to, to commit to. Um, but I think the market at this point in time remains strong and looks at to, to continue over the coming months. Thanks so much for coming in, Suzanne. You've provided some valuable insights into the insurance recruitment market in Ireland, the challenges it faces, the impact that COVID has had on the market, diversity in the sector and the outlook going forward. Please visit robertwalters.ie where you will have access to the most recent salary survey, DNI reports and please contact the team there if you require any recruitment support.